The world has written a narrative of motherhood that's narrow and limiting. But that's not how motherhood was designed to be. We don't have to accept that narrative or stay in that confined space. As Christian mothers, we have the freedom to create a beautiful, fulfilling, and inspiring life for ourselves and for our families. We can live a life of purpose and vision in the midst of the confusion around us. I want you to move from being unsure to being confident as a mom. I want to see you let go of the overwhelm and guilt and embrace the freedom we have in Christ. Let's learn how to enjoy the life and the family we've been given. Let's create homes where faith can grow and hearts can be shaped for the kingdom. I'm Audrey McCracken, and welcome to Grace for My Home. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Grace for My Home. So glad that you've joined me here again this week. We are, as always, in the throes of a busy week, but that keeps life exciting, right? My um, my boys, they're all in different directions, and, and sometimes it seems like I can't keep up with them. But I remember praying years ago that the Lord would give each of them um, a passion for something, hobbies, things that they enjoy. Because, you know, when we have good outlets for our energy and, you know, our creativity, then it, it keeps us out of bad habits, right? So I had prayed years ago that the Lord would give them each areas where they were, things they were interested in and things they could pour themselves into. And as they've gotten older, I've seen the Lord answer that prayer. You know, my oldest son, David, he joined a friend this week, this past Saturday. He and a friend, he went to his friend's house and spent some time with him. And they're big board gamers. That's a big thing for them. And they will spend three, four hours on one board game. It, that does not, that's nothing for them. They have some that go even longer than that. And so that's just a big thing that they really enjoy doing. And when he come home Saturday night, he brought a big loaf of jalapeno cheddar bread, and him and his friend baked it. No parents involved. And they just said, hey, why don't we make some bread? And I thought, you know, this is like, you know, teenagers, and they just decided they were going to make some bread. And it was delicious. It was better than any bread that I've ever made. It was very good. And I think his friend has been baking, so so he just kind of pulled David into it, and um, and but it was it was really neat. I thought, Lord, there you go, Lord, you're good, you're so good to us, you know. And my other boys, they have their own interests. My son Luke, everything's football right now. He loves football. He has since he was just a little thing, and um, he this is his season. I think he's got one more home game and maybe three more games for the for the football season and I will be honest with you football is not easy for me it has stretched me I I go to his games to support him I'm not really a football fan and it's really hard to watch your son get pummeled by a bunch of bigger boys because he's one of the youngest on the team he made the varsity team and he was one of only three in the sophomore class to do that and he just loves it. But I, I, I support him because he loves it. But I, I do sometimes wish he had another hobby besides football. And then my youngest son, Caleb, 
he's with me all day. He just travels around with me. He goes with me to the shop. We do school together. And I'm so glad he enjoys that because I enjoy being with him. And I know one day he won't want to be with his mom all day long. So why, as long as he wants to be and he enjoys it, I'm going to soak it up because now I see how quickly those times go by. But he is into drums right now. He's taking drums. He started years ago. Well, I say years. About three years ago, he started. And, and we were just real busy and a lot was going on. And, and it just kind of got, it kind of felt to the wayside. But recently, he started taking lessons again from a friend of ours. And he's doing really well. And he's practicing all the time. He's beating on everything in the house. He's beating on the table and on the chairs and on the couches. It's He, he beats everywhere he goes. But he's practicing. And that's something he really enjoys. So I'm glad he's got those those interests, you know. But my hobby is taking care of all of them. And I say that in joking. We really do need to have our own interest. But it seems like lately my time has been all gobbled up by the coffee shop, which I love. But getting it off the ground has taken a lot. And, you know, I, I believe the Lord asked me to do it. So, you know, if he asks you to do something, he always gives you the grace to accomplish it, the grace to do it. And so I'm just going by faith that he has. Today, I wanted to talk with you about how walking with Jesus is going to cost us something. Have you ever thought about that? You know, we walk with the Lord and it's the best life, right? I mean, serving Jesus, we don't just have to serve Jesus. We get to serve Jesus and serving the Lord, loving him, knowing him, being his, being his His disciples is the best life. And I'm so thankful that he came, that he rescued me, that he loved me, um, that he puts up with me. But, you know, it's not an easy life. And Jesus said, it's not going to be easy. He said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. You know, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. you know, sir, he said, every day you have to take up your cross and follow me. That means that it's there's going to be times that you're going to have to die to the things that you want to do. And it's not always going to be easy. And there's good times. There are blessings sprinkled throughout the, the path. You know, he said his tender mercies are new every morning. And he loves us and he blesses us, but it's not an easy path. You know, what's that saying? Everybody says, you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And it's true. You know, it says many fell by the wayside. They, they, they didn't have deep roots. And because it was harder than they thought, then they, they, they just kind of bowed out of the race. And so it's helpful for me to remember that it is going to cost me something. It's not an easy task. It's not an easy thing. It's there are there are ups and downs. And the only way that I'm going to serve him faithfully is in is to be intentional about it and to know up front that this this is the way it is. You know, sometimes we can think and I do. Sometimes I think, "Lord, where did I miss the road? Is it supposed to be this hard?" I said that this week. I said, "Lord, did I mess up somewhere? Did I take a wrong turn somewhere?" I mean, is it supposed to be like this? You know, where did I mess up, Lord? Show me. And I just, I have to just trust that, Lord, if I did mess up, you'll get me back on the right path. But it's not designed to be an easy road. And there's something about knowing that, knowing that this is normal, 
that kind of makes it a little easier. It's kind of like, okay, Audrey, get up and keep on moving. You're on the right path. Don't stop. In my devotion this week, I was reading for sec- from Second Samuel 24, and it talks about how you know King David, he was not a perfect man. He, The Bible is very, very open, his weaknesses and his areas where he failed. And he disobeyed the Lord, and he did something that he shouldn't have done. And the Lord gave him instructions on how to how to um, repent for what he had done. And the Lord told him to go by a threshing floor and to sacrifice at that threshing floor. And it says that as he came up to the man who owned the threshing floor, that man bowed to him because he was the king. And the man bowed down, bowed his head down to him. It says in 2 Samuel 24, 24, um, and that man told him, You don't have to pay me anything. You know, you're king. You can have all of this. Take it, Lord. This is yours. And David said, no, but I will certainly buy it from you for a price. I will not offer a burnt offering to the Lord, my God, that costs me nothing. So David purchased the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. There's a principle in that. David could have got it for free. But he said, no, I'm not going to offer the Lord anything that didn't cost me something. Because the the very word sacrifice means it cost you something. And serving the Lord is a sacrifice. Now, it's a sacrifice that we get to make. You know, we are honored to be able to serve him. But it's helpful to remember that there is a price to pay. And often the price is not what we think it's going to be. You know, we kind of have in our mind how it's going to go, and often it takes a completely different turn, and we have to decide if we're going to take that turn. You know, there's so many different ways that it's hard. You know, one of the things that has always been hard for me, because I'll just bear my soul to you here. I'm bearing my soul to the world here. Um, I like people to like me. I'm, I've always, you know, I'm not a confrontational person at all. And I really do enjoy talking to people. I love people. I love hearing their stories. And I, I like harmony, right? I like in relationships. I like harmony. I don't like arguing. You know, I don't think a lot of people do. I think I've met some who do, but for the most part, most people want to get along with others, right? Want to have good relationships with others. But I wasn't prepared when I became a Christian of the pe- of the way that people would misunderstand me. You know, being a Christian means that you're you're countercultural. You're not following the culture of this world. And so sometimes you butt against the culture of this world and people misunderstand you. They misrepresent you. They don't understand your choices. They don't understand the decisions that you make and they talk about you. And many times they don't even know you. They don't even know who you really are. They just put you in a box because you're a Christian and they think they know all about you because you have that title of Christian. And as a Christian, that can be frustrating, but we also have to walk in forgiveness. You know, we are held to a higher standard as Christians. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. He he set the bar pretty high for us, didn't he? Because he said, be like me. 
And so we have to forgive as we go. And that is not the easy path, right? That's not the the way that our earthly nature wants us to go. And to follow him, to obey our Lord, we have to go the hard way, right? We have to go through the path that he lays out for us. It says in Psalm 23, you know, he's my shepherd. You know, he leads me beside the still waters. He takes me, you know, through the valley of the shadow of death. Wherever he leads, I will follow. And so we follow him. And he promises to take care of us. It's just he doesn't always go the path that we would take, right? If we're going to take care of ourselves, then we're probably not going to go on the same path that we will go if we're trusting him. No, we won't go on the same path that we would take if we're trusting him. Because to us, it looks like a dangerous path, but he knows the way. And we don't, we don't know the ends to the path, right? If I, I want to take the easier path. But I don't know where that path leads. He does. You know, that says wide is the gate that leads to destruction and many will go that way. But narrow is the path that leads to life and few will find it. And that's the path he's taking us on. So we have to trust that that's the right path and that he's a good shepherd and he's not going to take us somewhere and just drop us off. Right. He's going to lead us through it. And so serving the Lord is going to cost us something, but it's worth it because he's with us the whole, the whole way, the whole path. Just this week, I was reading to my son, Caleb, one of our school books this year, we're reading The Hobbit and we, um, I'm enjoying reading this book. You know, I'm a, when I was in school, I did not enjoy reading. And I remember being in seventh grade And I think that's when you started, when we started analyzing and and dissecting books. And the teacher, my seventh grade teacher, I remember her, she gave us a book and told us to read it. And I kind of got into it. You know, we're supposed to read the first four or five chapters, and then we were going to discuss it in class. And I kind of got into it. I kind of thought, okay, this this book isn't that bad. I kind of like this book. Well, when we went into class with that book, I remember she started talking about foreshadowing and she started talking about analogy and started talking about allegory and all of these things. And she said things about that book that just were completely in left field to me. I just enjoyed the book. But after she showed us what we were supposed to see in the book that I didn't see in the book and never even knew it was such a thing, it just completely ruined that book for me. And I remember thinking, well, I'll never get this. And so it at that moment, at that point, it kind of killed any 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 desire left to read or to enjoy a book, it kind of killed it because I thought, oh my goodness, I'm never going to figure all this out. It was complicated and there was no enjoyment in it because I had to always be looking for, you know, what is this foreshadowing? What are the metaphors here? You know, what are the themes in this book? And so when I started homeschooling my children and I started learning about literature and the purpose of literature, it changed the way that I wanted to teach them. Or I should say, it made me want to teach them a different way than I had been taught. Because 
I learned, and I truly believe this, that we are created in the image of God and we write stories because that's who we are. We're creative. You know, God writes stories. He wrote a whole book and gave it to us. And, you know, most of that book is about the stories. Most of the, you know, there's there's chapters on law. There's books on on poetry. You know, there, there are books on Proverbs and wisdom. And, and those are great. They're wonderful. They're the Word of God. But a lot of the Bible are stories that capture the imagination and show us what human nature is like and, and give us examples of, of men and women that were courageous and that love God. And they inspire. And I believe that we write literature because we must, because there's something in it for us. We learn who we are and we learn you know, what kind of people we want to be and what kind of people we don't want to be. And I believe that you know, good literature can build in us and in our children good character. You know, it can help us to come into contact with a lot of people before actually going into the world and coming in contact with them. You know what I mean? You know, we can decide before we're in that situation how we're going to live our lives. And I just, I think that's awesome. But that was never explained to me. It was just, you know, diagram this sentence. <laughs> and I'm like, what's the point? Who cares? You know, and when I started reading literature as, um, you know, something that is more than just, you know, you got to pass this to get the grade. Then I started seeing how people could love literature. I got way off my topic, didn't I? But as we're reading The Hobbit, which I think is a classic. I think it's a wonderful book. And uh, it's so funny. I'll read these books. And then a couple years ago, years later, I'll read them with another child. And it's like I'm reading them for the first time. You know, I forgot all of the good stuff. And so I'm reading this with Caleb. And it's talking about how the hobbit and the dwarves that he's traveling with have to go through this dark forest. And so they're, they, they're at the edge of this dark forest. And Bilbo Baggins, who's the the um you know he's the he's the the hobbit in the in the hobbit he is he's like is there any other way you know it, i don't want to go this path it's dark it's gloomy i can already tell this is not the way i want to go and gandalf their leader says what do you mean this is the only way you must go through this forest and so they 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 have provisions, you know, they have backpacks with food and water and they go through this forest and it's dark and it's gloomy and there's no sunshine and there's no wind stirring and the further they can't light fires because when they do, all the bugs come out and it's just not a very good forest. It's just, it's a, it's a gloomy, dark place. And they're going through it and they're going through it and it seems like for days and the provisions are almost gone and they, and they've been warned, don't get off the path. If you get off the path, you'll never make it. Stay on the path. And so they stay on the path, but they've just about run out of food and they're tired and it feels like they're never going to get out. And so they elect Bilbo because he's the smallest to climb up a tall tree. The tallest tree they can find close to the path so they don't have to get off the path. And, you know, give us a report. Give us a report. How close are we to be out of this forest? And so he climbs up the tall tree and, and he, and he breaks through the canopy 
of the trees, and all he sees is forest. For as long as his eyes will, will go, all he sees is forest. And he doesn't want to tell the others because it's there's no good report here. But he doesn't realize that it's not that far. He's up so high and it looks like it goes on forever. But he's really looking over a cliff and there's a valley right under him and they're about to have a break, but he doesn't see it. So he goes back down and he has to report, I don't see an end. And so they have to decide what to do. And the only thing to do is to keep on going. But they're so close to a breakthrough. And I think, and and I read that to my son Caleb this week, and it encouraged me. You know, he they, that my boys think I'm crazy. I'll take a perfectly good story and start crying. <laughs> and they're like, Mama, you're ruining the story. Why are you crying at this? There's nothing sad. But it was like the Lord was encouraging me. He was saying, listen, it looks like it's going on and on and on forever. It looks like this this test that you're in, this test, this season is never going to let up. And with your own eyes, you don't see the end. But I need you to just keep on walking. Even when you feel like stopping, keep on walking because there's a breakthrough that you can't see just a little bit ahead. And if you stop now, you miss it. And you really can't stop now, right? we got to keep on going, keep on going. And so it's going to cost us something, but it's worth it. It's worth the price. You know, that's what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice is giving up something that you like, that you love, that you value in order to receive something that you value and like and love more. You know, we give up this life that we have to receive eternal life. We give up our friends, our family, if need be, here on earth to be part of God's family, to receive Christ. And some of us have to give up more than others. You know, some of us, maybe we don't feel that pinch of, of, of letting go of family in order to serve Jesus. You know, Peter, he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, we've given up everything for you. And Jesus said, you've not given up anything that you will not receive back a hundredfold. He loves us so much. So be encouraged this week. Yes, there's a price to pay, but it's worth it. And it's good. You know, we're not going to give the Lord a sacrifice. It doesn't cost us anything. You know, we're going to be like David. David knew. He said, I'm not going to give the Lord a sacrifice that didn't cost me something. Because I want him to see I'm doing this, even though it's hard, because I love you, Jesus. I appreciate what you've done for me, Jesus. Jesus, you sacrificed everything for me. And now I give you this life back. Isn't he good? You know, isn't he good? Well, I hope this has been encouraging to you this week. I had a a listener just this week reach out to me and tell me that she had found my podcast and had listened to many episodes all in one day. And that really blessed me. And then I had an awesome experience this past weekend. Some of my listeners in North Carolina, in Whiteville, North Carolina, contacted me. And it was Melissa and Tracy and Karen. And they gave me tickets to 
a women's conference that was being held at their church. It was at Western Prong Baptist Church in Whiteville, North Carolina. And it was a very short drive for me. It was only about 40, 45 minutes. And I had such a good time. The speaker was Sharon Janies, which some of you guys may have heard of. Um, She was awesome, very encouraging, a word that I needed to hear. And also, um, I was introduced to several of her books that I need to read. And so I was very thankful for that. I'm a fan of Sharon's now, um, and she's part of, or she was part of Proverbs 31 Ministries. So she she was a blessing. And I just want to give a shout out to Tracy and Karen and Melissa and say thank you so much for caring for me and, and remembering me. It was so nice. And I just want to say, all of you, thank you for listening. I love you guys. I do this because I just want to be a blessing. And I know how important the work that you're doing in your homes and your communities and your families, um, in your churches, how important that work is. You know, God has given us this wonderful opportunity to be a part of his family, to bless his daughters, you know, to, to love on people and That makes strong communities and strong homes and strong churches. He wants us to love each other and to make the church stronger, pull more people into the church, and love on those that are already in the church. Amen. Father, I thank you today for my listeners. I thank you that, Lord, you are our Father and you care about us. Lord, the things that hurt us touch your heart. And I pray today for those listening that, Lord, you would encourage us that it's worth it, that, Lord, we would not, Lord, we would not draw back, but that we would press forward in faith. I pray, Lord, today that we would see a breakthrough, Lord, that you would help us to keep, keep on keeping on, Lord, and that, Lord, that you would encourage us, Lord, and help us see that the breakthrough that we're, that we need, that we've been waiting on, it's just a little bit ahead and not give up. I pray strength for my listeners today, for for these ladies, these precious ones, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them hope, and Lord God, that you would give them faith. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this episode today and will join me here again next week. You can find more encouragement on my blog at gracefromahome.com. God bless. Bye-bye.